Hello everybody, welcome to today's Hive podcast, a podcast where we discuss all things innovation, construction and our built environment. With us on the show today we have Jim Clancy, Senior Technology Director at Autodesk. For those that don't know Jim, Jim is a veteran in our industry with 30 years experience of innovation in Autodesk Technologies and Ecosystem. Jim is the author of a blog series called Dancing with Elephants, and that is the topic for today's podcast. To give you a bit of background and why I was excited to have this conversation, Bin Launcher is an integrations partner to Autodesk. We're a small player in the ecosystem, and what's really interesting for us is trying to predict and see how we can best serve Autodesk's partners and understand the thinking from Autodesk from a strategic perspective on how they incubate this hugely valuable ecosystem around their tools. Due to some technical issues with the initial recording, we have no longer got the first half of the interview. What we have done is post-edited the second part of this introduction this will begin in just a second. I've written about most of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that was more of a desktop world, but frankly, it's not the same. It, it, it's not different. It's about yeah. how industries uh, evolve. Yeah. Yeah. So I suppose if it's about industries evolving and these industries being backed by technology and it's the technology that's evolving, and I suppose that even if you go back to its very core, like Autodesk started out with AutoCAD, which is essentially a group of features to arrange some vectors on, on a... It's for drawings. <laughs> for stop, drawings, man. yeah. <laughs> so if, Help me do drawings quicker and easier. Yeah, so if you'd like to think that was an application, then you expand it into maybe an, an application line, and then, like... And thousands of... You know, I don't know. Yeah. You're a young guy. What can I assume? Yeah. You know, if you go look at what AutoCAD does, so so right, it was for drawing. Yeah. And then there were partners who did drawings for roads, similarly. And mm. we probably had 20 partners who did that. Yeah. And at one point, we said, this is big enough, we should do it. So, you know, we bought one, and we've kind of done that. Mm. Architectural, there were 40 partners who did architectural apps. Ah, okay. Yeah, and we, and we bought one. Yeah. Very was, close to them. Yeah. And then realized we couldn't get to modeling with AutoCAD and did the Revit acquisition. Um, yeah, so this is a repeating kind yeah. of story. Um, yeah. and, we, and we, you know, it's funny, I tell people, you know, sometimes I get people internally go, well, how big can this ecosystem be? Well, I say it depends on what Autodesk decides to do or not do. Because generally when a partner area gets big enough, and when I say big, you know, over 50,000 users, Revenue opportunity north of fifty million a year. Yeah, you know we, we get into this. Do we do this? Yeah. So, um, but recognizing you got to have the ecosystem because there's too much variety. Yeah. We have partners who do shipbuilding apps. I know three who do furniture apps. I know there's probably thirty who do some kind of facility management apps. There's all kinds of shit. So when you talk about consolidation, you mean bringing together of these uh, or, or cons- uh, almost like a, con- a constellation of applications focused on one specific um, 
requirement, customer requirements. So, for instance, we could be seeing a consolidation at the moment of VR applications and Autodesk probably partnering with, with a lot of these VR applications through their the like. So let's talk about ARVR, right? Yeah. So we probably have, I probably know, 30 customers, 30 partners doing ARVR apps. Yeah. We probably have another 50 to 100 customers who are homebrewing. Yeah. You know, using Unity, using Unreal, kind of doing homework. You can do that, right? Yeah, you sure. can have a guy in a corner, smart developer, can, yeah, can, yeah, can yeah. build AR VR apps. Yeah. Um, it is clear as mud what's going to happen there. Um, up until this last year, up until Quest, you didn't really have the hardware. It was too damn hard. It was like, this does not scale. Autodesk does not do things that don't scale. I said that if there's not north of 50,000 users, if it's not north of $50 million a year, we don't need to do this. Yeah. You know, just let, let a partner do it. And this is a little side note. Some partners have gone like, oh, I can build a $10, $20 million a year kind of business. Or this will leave me alone. And I'm perfectly happy because I'm sticking $10 million a year in my pocket. Yeah. My personal pocket. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But do recognize you get to a scale where it's like, we're going to look. Mm. And it's not just us. Our competitors are going to look. So it's like you guys are just sitting with your platform, your features, you have your existing users. You know that your users are looking at these other constellations of applications and you're looking at these as features and you're looking at the, the leading one um, to adopt into the Autodesk ecosystem and provide that as a solution to your customers and, and, yep. and the cycle goes on. Yep. <laughs> so, and it's back to again. Uh, what's your original background? Uh, so my background, I I worked on the building sites for five years. I studied architecture in university. Um, in university, I got really into BIM and computational design. And then from that, I got into the development of web applications and scalable okay. uh, systems. So um, and I always have to remind people this because people confuse us. Like somebody says, well. Maybe Microsoft's going to do what we want to do. It's like, no, and I've watched this for 30 years. No! Yeah. Um, or Google or Facebook. And that's why I reacted a little bit to some of what you said earlier. Is um, Our business is, is, um, is long tail. Mm. When you ask an engineer what they do, they don't say, I'm an engineer. Mm. They say, I design furniture. Yeah. They say, I do transmissions. They say, I do you know, landing gear on airplanes. They say, you know, I design TVs. They don't say they're an engineer. They don't. Uh, architects are a little different. Architects actually do say they're architects. <laughs> the engineers don't. Um, yeah. Because they all they specialize quite quickly. Yeah. So there are thousands of specializations. So it's long tail. So it's 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 and it's it's always gonna be that way. That that's the nature of the beast. So ecosystems and partners is the only way to kind of get at that. Mm. The only way. Um, and clearly, like we have so many partners that are 3, 4, 5, 10, 20, maybe 30 people building an app in one very specific area. Um, and they, they may dominate their market in half the world. Yeah. But we're never going to do that. It's a, it's a you know, $10 million a year business. They make good money. Um, that 20, 30 person company isn't big enough to build the basic infrastructure. They can't do modeling. They can't do graphics. They, they can't do it. 
Um, which is why, you know, when we build that kind of platform, they go, great, because, you know, we're driving down this niche. Um, and I'll look at BIM 360, so you can sit there and go, right now, maybe it's about the big architectural firms and the big construction firms, but we're already driving down the, you know, there's in the United States, there's five companies that do housing developments, and they do not operate the same way as people who do skyscrapers, and they do not operate the same way as somebody who does rail. Um, so it, it, this the, the long tail um, of design and engineering absolutely it affects the need for you know an ecosystem. Um, interesting one, Salesforce.com. Yeah, you could say, well, how many partners? How many apps do they have? Seventeen thousand or something. No, they have like seventeen hundred. Seventeen hundred. Yeah. Oh, sorry. AutoCAD is two thousand. Really? Yeah, now, Salesforce is, you know, 50 times bigger than our Rodcat business. Yeah. Yet they have less partners. It's the nature of the business. Okay. ERP so, systems, and if, if you go look at uh, NetSuite, if you go look at Oracle, if you, if you actually look at the number of kind of apps, ERP systems, it's between that one and 2,000. There's actually a natural level of, of, yeah. of apps where engineering it's 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 more like the two three four thousand number of apps okay. um, to, to, to get to all the specialized needs of the different customer types so if we're talking about the dynamics and the evolution of ecosystems and we're talking about companies like Autodesk you know absorbing these applications in, into Autodesk and to play into Autodesk is it a feature well like, is it a like a product on its own, a module on its own, or is it neither? And it's like that'll be there in the ecosystem forever. Yeah. Okay. So we have the, we have Autodesk. Let's talk about BIM 360. It's ecosystem. It's hugely valuable. So we've like Autodesk as a as this mothership of um, applications and platforms that help people design, build, and operate. Now, I suppose what I what I want to talk about is. If Autodesk consumes these applications, who who's going to be the consumer of Autodesk? Who's going to buy Autodesk? Who's, who's Autodesk going to play? Or is Autodesk too big? And is this? I suppose this goes back to Salesforce. Salesforce is obviously a huge, huge entity in itself. Is is Salesforce currently being considered by Microsoft, or is there? So yeah. a little bit about partners, and you'll, you'll see. There's a blog, I did a blog posting on this. Yeah. When you're when you're um, working with the elephant, and and for Autodesk, Microsoft's the, ele uh, the elephant, or AWS is the elephant. So we have elephants, and we're with a little guy, right? And then we get partners, where we're the elephant. Um, and you need to know, are you running alongside the elephant? Are you running in front of it, or are you running behind it? And a little bit in front of it is, you're doing some nice feature. You know the elephant's going to want to do. And you know what? If you've been in the industry a while, you can sit there and go, yeah, this is going to at some point. And that's okay to front run the elephant, but you need to know what you're building could be obsolete tomorrow because the elephant decides to make a feature out of it. Hmm. Whether they build it in-house, whether they buy your competitor, whether they buy you. So that's running in front of the elephant. I know people who do that and they have they may have six or seven features so that they're getting revenue from all these in any one year one of these features can get obsoleted. And they know that. They're just running ahead not over-investing, because I know any one of these can go away. Don't over-invest. Don't over-polish it. 
because you know that that piece could go away. And then there's people running on the sides, so they're driving into verticals again, long tail niche niche areas, creating capability that is now or enough. You can sit there going, the elephant's not going to do this. You know, I'll, I'll bring the home builder market. We took a hard look at that once because we see all the big home builders in the world who come to us, big, these are billion dollar companies. You know, they'll say, hey, you know, Autodesk, I want you to build this, that, and the other thing for me, specific to the home building market. And we took a hard look and said, you know, how much money is there? How many people do this? I said, no, we're not going to do that. You know, we have partners who do that. So if you look at home building, you know, whether it's guys like MyTech or Coins or ITW or Strucksoft or HSB or, you know, they do that. Yeah. Um, we're not going to do that. You know, so, we, so you need to know, what do you do? And then there's people behind the elephant, which tend to be pure services business. Autodesk has sold this stuff and their customers need help being more successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, integration kind of work, that kind of thing. But people who come in kind of post-sale. Okay. Yeah. So you got to know where you are. Running alongside, you're in a niche of some sort. And Autodesk is unlikely to do running in front. Yeah. Run fast. Have variety because you can get stepped on in any one area. So or yeah. run behind. I suppose this it all comes back to context and awareness then of I suppose other people in the ecosystem. So I.e. like Autodesk needs to have a uh, contextual. Um, awareness of, I suppose, direction of where you're going, direction that the elephant is moving. Back to my, Microsoft AWS, which you're interested yeah. in. We do the same thing. Yeah. Are we in front of them or running alongside them? But the, this is the... So and, this, and we make decisions to not do things because we're like... So I mentioned earlier, we're not doing ERP yeah. for construction. I think, I'd say Procore is. Because mm. we don't... We want to run alongside Microsoft Dynamics, NetSuite. Sure. SAP, we don't want to run in front of that that one. We have no interest in running in front. We're going to run on the side. Um, We think that's more profitable. Um, We won't, we we want, we run into this every day like with Microsoft. We want their sales guys to look at us as a partner and an asset, not as competition. Just full stop. Yeah. Um, Okay. So it's that same, it's at a different level. But yeah. it's that same, are you running alongside, you're running behind, you're running in front. you got to know. You need to know. So how do you... And be honest with yourself. Yeah. yeah, I think that. So how do you know what direction this elephant is moving? And the reason that I asked that... You and talk to product that, managers all the time. I Okay, so that's from, a, I suppose, a product perspective. But like, if we're talking about the direction that the elephants are moving and we're looking at the trends, I suppose, from like the likes of Google Google and Amazon investing in prefabricated companies and different me- different methods and means like of... Like all this prefab stuff going on? Well, I think Factory that's very OS, important. Yeah, Project from, Katera. Katera. It's, it's all... We work with sticking their fingers in it before they blow <laughs> up. It's, it's wild. It, it is, but, the, but what is really attractive to this is, you know about about this i suppose this incumbent uh i suppose sector within our industry is that it's the savings it's the efficiencies the the, the waste or the the lack of waste the, the, the construction that's waste that goes away if it's prefab the time the like there's so many 
um, I suppose benefits, um, you know, even from a client perspective, you have predictable predictable pricing outcomes yeah. sometimes when, I suppose, when yeah. Tear get those creases ironed out, that, that would be... so. Or every millennial trying to buy a house and it costs twice as much as they can afford. Absolutely. I yeah. mean, would I be happy with a prefab? Some of them are beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Yes! <laughs> Sign me up! Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sure, I've even been looking at, like, one, two-bed... Um, they're like, uh, you know, log cabins. They're like twenty, thirty thousand, and like you're yeah, like, yeah. I could live in that. But I suppose my point is the TV and the what's it, the mini houses. The, what are they? <laughs> like, it. But, but, but that does reflect a change in the way people think. Absolutely, which but, changes what they're going to spend money on. But does it change the direction of the elephant? And is Autodesk going to be stuck? Running behind is is auto like here's the question then is Autodesk ahead of the elephant is Autodesk running ahead ahead of the elephant no, no. and has forgotten to we look behind ecos- them? We have an ecosystem. Yeah, but uh, that's out there but, a, a little bit. I'm a, I, I race sailboats. You know, it's funny. Yeah. We talk about you look at you know the faster boats or the boats who started the day before because you're kind of probes feeling out the market. You kind of see what's working and what's not. Okay. And. The little companies can be quite responsive, zig and zag, and pivots away overuse word, but they can do that. Um, and it's actually, if we tried to do it, big companies are the shit at that kind of flexibility. Um, they, they, it just doesn't work. So there's a whole ecosystem out doing that. We get to sit there and go, you know, are there some of these that are going to become something bigger? And yeah, do we buy? You know, do we buy a partner or not? Uh, but uh, I suppose, like, if Autodesk, in the context of, I don't know what you call a smaller elephant, uh, a baby elephant, Autodesk, a baby elephant beside the mother elephant, which, let's say, for instance, it's Google here, you as a baby elephant have your own ecosystem. And you got, yeah. if your elephant, if that baby elephant runs opposite direction to its mother, that the ecosystem is moving with that baby elephant, so like it's dangerous. It's da- it could blow up. <laughs> so why? What I'm really asking here is, like, I would argue that, well, not argue, I suppose, but what I'm really interested in is how do, if Amazon are looking at prefab, and Autodesk is. Providing Amazon's selling houses now, right? Yeah, but uh, Autodesk are providing solutions, and their ecosystem is providing um, services, solutions for an antiquated way of building. And the elephant is looking at, you know, a new way. Like the Elon Elon Musk coming in is saying, look, construction, i.e., that baby elephant, you're doing it wrong. You've been doing it wrong for the last 20, 30 years. How do, I suppose, how do Autodesk plan to facilitate this change? And how are you guys, I suppose... Keep in mind, it's it's hubris to think, you know, there's that joke, right? Um, uh, Predicting the future is really hard. It is! Um, and it's hubris to think we're smart enough to be able to tell how this is going to play out. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can go back 10 years and we could sit there and, and 
try to predict what happened with AWS, what happened with Apple, what happened with Facebook. You couldn't predict any of that shit. Um, so having ecosystem and having a lot of partners allows you to look at a lot, see what's going on, what's working, where there's traction, where there, there's not. Um, and when a partner is having enough success, then you can say, hey, we should buy into that. We make probably 10 investments at Autodesk directly invest in about 10 partners a year. We acquire between 10 and 15 a year. We probably don't see that. Some of them are acquiring people more than their tech. And financially, they may say, what we're acquiring their tech. It's like, no, we're not. We're acquiring a person who did it three times and knows how to do it the fourth time. Um, that kind of stuff happens all the time. Yeah. It's, it's, so, so for us, it's about not inventing, you know, this, you get companies who it's not invented here. Yeah. And I see people like this all the time. You know, somebody like Scenic in the U.S. Oh, you know, when they're not invented, you know, at some point you're, somebody's going to step on them big time because they're too kind of insular. Um, well, we're not that way. You know, lots of partners and we're looking at what's going on. So we actually have a strategy group. This is what you know they're looking at. Yeah. What's Amazon doing? What's Google doing? What's What's Apple doing? What's What's Microsoft doing? So in, in making conscious decisions, you know, we ask ourselves when we invest in an area, are we uniquely positioned to take advantage of that change, of that shift? Uniquely positioned. Because mm. if Microsoft can do it and we don't have anything unique, we shouldn't be doing that. We're going to get stepped on. Yeah. yeah. Let's not invest in things that somebody else can do better. Yeah, I agree. I agree, but, but it's hard to decide. Mm. It's not always clear. So you, like, I brought up Katera. Um, there's been a lot in the press recently about Katera failing to deliver on budgets, uh, fail, failing to deliver on time. Their technology. <laughs> a lot. Um, they got a lot of money without a lot of experience. Yeah, and they're failing. Uh, they hired a bunch of Autodesk people. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, why do you think that they're failing? Why do you think? What do you think that Autodesk have in terms of an advantage on the likes of Katera? Okay. And why do you think? Yeah. So, do you know Goldbeck? I feel like I should know. Central Germany. Yeah. They're the biggest manufacturer of prefab buildings in the world. They're bigger than Katera. They pour out cash. They've been doing this for years. So, you know, part of me goes, part of Katera's problem is they got a huge amount of money before they knew enough. You know, when it takes years to kind of kind of sort it out, get good at it. Um, and, they, and because they got a huge amount of money, everybody's heard about them. Mm. Nobody's heard of Goldbeck, who just crunched. So you, most of the uh, airports in Central Europe have car parks, all built by Goldbeck, all built in a factory, all assembled on site, cost-effective, you know, minimal carbon footprint, recyclable. They do the whole gig. Um, typical German family-owned business, which is why you don't hear about it. Um, they do office buildings. They do you, anyway. So yeah. I, so be careful about the noise versus the reality. I tend. Terror makes a lot of noise. Yeah, I've looked at their. <laughs> executive board and their CTO, like the, the people, I mean, yeah, they, they don't have the experience of, of construction. And if you find yourself in central Germany and you want yeah. to take a tour, well, let me know. 
Will do. Gold yeah. is unbelievable. Okay. Yeah. Um, Multi-billion dollar in your business. Doing prefab. Mm. Okay, so... In, in typical, you don't get a chuckle out of this. You know, Germans are very... They get productivity, efficiency. They're one of the leaders in sustainability. So the fact that this is happening in Germany, actually, in retrospect, shouldn't be a surprise. Yeah. Um, like, from my perspective, observing Autodesk and observing these prefabricated companies, like, prefabricated companies are all based on the premise of integrating the supply chain and controlling and managing the, the supply chain from, you know, um, I suppose from, from project inception through to, through to delivery. I think that what Autodesk... Well, in, in building, building blocks, systems, yeah. reusable pieces. Yeah, that's yeah. where the... That's what enables their efficiency, that's right? right? That's right. Um, efficiency in both cost and speed. Yeah, yeah, which is important for a closed, um, I suppose, a closed system. But if we look at the, I suppose, the um, the evolution of even the mobile phone, the, the opera, so like Nokia, LG owned like, not, they were the elephant in the room back in 98. Yeah. What was it like? The end of 90? Nokia at one point, was, 70% yeah, of the mobile phone market. And then, and like no ecosystem. Yeah, that was the thing. So, Audit or Apple came in, they released their platform, and they opened this thing up, and they got the world of developers to essentially build what what is yeah. now the iOS. So, like, so Nokia thought yeah. this was a standard crank it out business. Apple said, "I think this is a long tail business." And my argument, or I suppose, uh, when Amazon started with books, long tail business. Right? So you got to know, what kind of business, is this a commodity, same thing, it is what it is, or is this a long-term business, which is very different and needs, it gets back to why ecosystems are so important in the engineering business, because it's a long-term business. Can you clarify what you mean by long-term, long-term business again? For me, so um, there's a bunch of research, there's books written on this long-term business stuff, if you... Uh, just do a Google search long tail. Yeah. Um, there's a bunch okay. of there's academic papers. There's what's the who who did who owned which book was it? Who did it first? It's probably six, seven years ago. And I forget one of the I don't know if it was Jeffrey Moore or you know, the guy who did uh yeah. Anyway, okay. well yeah. there's there's a whole sub subject matter there. But it's knowing the um, the structure of an industry. And whether it's again a commodity type business or whether it's long tail and everything's in between, you know. Mm -hmm. So is it eighty percent commodity and twenty percent long tail? Even we'll, we'll talk about it. I don't know concrete. Um, sounds like a commodity business, but you know there's specialized concretes and it may be twenty percent of all the concrete is specialized stuff like weight, uh, you know, fed, uh, mm -hmm. rapid set. Uh, yeah. But eighty percent is kind of block standard concrete. Um, Steel's that way too. 80% of steel is kind of block standard steel, and you can buy from five different people, you get the same thing. And then there's 20%. You'll get specialized alloys and steels. Books are like 30% New York Times top 10 and 70% long tail. If you like where the revenue is going, 70% of the revenue in books is not going to stuff you hear about. It's all these niche little 
things that go on. So every industry's got this mix between kind of what can consolidate and what's never going to consolidate because of the nature of the industry. Okay. Um, and engineering is pretty long tail. Yeah. My, my take, it's probably 50% long tail. And I don't think it's 80% long tail, but it's probably 50% long tail. Mm. Um, so collaboration, right? So how much of that's long tail? Get it reaches some discussion. Because, like, again, Slack, Microsoft Teams, who's chatter? Is that SAP or I, I forget? Um, there's always collaboration. In, um, uh, so how much can you have generic kind of collaboration? That's going to consolidate. How much of it's always going to be this long tail and specialized collaboration? Mm-hmm. I think clearly with design and engineering, this whole revision control, binary files, um, there's something there that the kind of mainline collaboration companies don't do very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that is different. Yeah, it's. It's. I suppose it's. Uh, yeah. No, I agree with that. But I want to. Ask you, do, do you see the similarity between LG, Nokia, as we've just described, and Katera, and you know these closed shop, control, um, controlled uh, end-to-end processes? And then do you see Autodesk as coming in with the understanding of the market and being like, this, I suppose, uh, I suppose playing the role of Steve Jobs, kind of saying, look, with our open APIs, we want our ecosystem to flourish and. You know, it, Let me go back to the Katera thing. Yeah. Um, let me check. Goldbeck, yeah. probably half their business is car parks. That's a vertical, right? Yeah. If you do car parks, they're probably, and you're in Europe, you're going to run into these guys. Um, uh, there's, there's two groups in the Netherlands. They do housing developments. They don't do skyscrapers. They don't do car parks. They do prefab housing stuff. So part of me thinks this prefab stuff is going to, here, here's the big boys for housing, here's the big boys okay. for skyscrapers, here's the big boys for car parks, here's the big boys for, yeah. so is there, is there, is there going to be, is there a bit of a long tail there? Maybe. But, you know, I don't really know. So you, so you see that there's going to be some consolidation in these verticals, or like the car park experts, the skyscraper experts. Maybe. For, and the reason I say that is because I'm, I'm going to. I'm in a cool position. Yeah. I get to watch all this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I see that. Oh, there's a few people who do. I, I can go to Japan, right? There's a guy who does have Daiwa House. They do houses. They don't do skyscrapers. They don't do power parks. They just do houses. Oh. Skies in the Netherlands. They just do houses. Um, there's Goldbeck. They just do parking. But well, that's not quite true. They do office. So there's there's definitely um, some of this specialization by type of building going on. Mm. So, like... Great, they can build more cost-effectively and more efficiently. But do you have anyone that is involved in the hands-on construction process um, in your family or close friends or anything like this? So my, contractor? My, my dad was a mechanical contractor. Okay. I went through high school, tin knocking, steam fitting, insulating, yeah, on a construction site, on scaffolding. So I personally have touched that. And I'm a mechanical engineer by training. Right. So you've been hands-on on in the construction trades. Oh, yeah. Great. So we have that. I, I was the kid in high school and college who yeah. always had money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> always could buy a round of beers. 
<laughs> Never had any problem filling the gas tank. Yeah. yeah. Well, I invested all my money in drift cars and drag racing cars. That was yeah, my yeah. passion. Yeah. Yeah. So I worked every Saturday because I can make a hundred bucks. Yeah. Back then, it was a lot of money. I can make a hundred bucks in a day if I just, you know, hang a duck work on yeah. <laughs> It's a new pair of shoes, right? <laughs> well, it was um, gas and beer money. That's yeah. <laughs> so. My like my father still owns uh, and runs a subcontracting company here in here in Galway, and I've all I've said to him, my dad, look, this, you know, what, what kind of subcontract? Uh, floor screening. Okay. Yeah. So like, I, we we have this factory as we pass from our workplace where we are today out out to my home, and I look at the factory and I said, Dad, someday I'm gonna have that, and I'm gonna build prefabricated houses, and. Some floor screeder is going to be in there, like you, or you can come work for me. And then floor screeder, yeah, in the factory, he said, no, I'll never work in the factory. And it's really interesting because, like, I suppose that's the reluctance that this kind of older generation, and I'm sure a lot of the people in the industry may have, you know, like in terms of subcontractors, may, may have today. How do you think that the... I suppose the market pull from the efficiency and the cost effectiveness of this um, uh, of these processes is going to, I suppose, create this, I suppose, ecosystem around the factory that yeah, builds the houses, or and kind of wipe out the old generation, or do you think that's going to be a migration, or because the other thing and so clearly more is going to happen. Yeah. I'm going to guess it's a 20, 30 year experience, not five years, not 10 years. I think it's a 20, 30 year experience. And it's not clear to me, even 20, 30 years from now, will it be 20%, 30% of the market? Mm. Won't be 100%. That's not going to happen. Is it maybe 80%? And those numbers matter. Mm. Um, that's not clear to me at all. Um, I suppose it's the faster growing, more innovative companies that are absolutely are you know absorbing and you like I see it even with my integrations business. It's the big design engineering companies, the big contractors that are talking to us about integrating their systems for this. You know, it's them, those guys that have like the digital lead engineers that are really trying to push efficiency and ultimately that's that's what's driving their competitive edge and the rest of the people out of the market and what seems to be happening is that these guys are actually absorbing the skills and technology to have to have a them little, to a little bit um variations by country mm. so in the u.s somewhere between 70 and 80 percent of all construction is done by small and medium-sized companies it's not the big boys yeah. it's unsophisticated um, now, if I go to Japan, it's probably 50% done by small, medium-sized guys. And 50% is by the big boys, so it's a little more yeah. consolidated. Um, but there's big variances about depending on where you are in the mm. world. Yeah, and that ma- it matters. And how do you see the future of that, I suppose, to, you know, or do you think, for instance, Japan, I know Japan... Like we've been involved with a, a Japanese contractor before. They were looking at AI and design. AI and design. They were looking at all sorts of automation. Well, be, care- be careful with Japan. They like to yeah. be viewed as cutting edge. Yeah. But they could just be plain. Yeah. yeah and yeah. the person you're working so, with doesn't view it as plain, but from a company point of view, they're plain. Yeah. Okay. So 
like it seems that they're a lot more focused on the end-to-end process. So when they engage with client, the client is coming to them. For, it's a lot of design and build. And they have already that metric of 50-50, right? So considering mm. the US is 70-80 SME and large, do you think that the... When we go to Korea, it's probably 70-30, really? 30% small. Okay, so now we, so we should be even... Studying Korea ahead of Japan in terms of yeah, I mean, Korea does some unbelievable yeah this, yeah. So the like I suppose to my mind from this like from an outsider projecting the future, I think that's what's going to happen is that the larger larger companies are going to prevail and going ah, to you more. can't assume that. Well, no, if we look at no. it, so cannot assume that. If we're looking at trends, for instance, change tends to come from the little guys. Hmm. Example, I'm working with a, uh, a company, um, have you heard of Bancor? No. Okay. So they specialize in building houses out of uh, bamboo. Okay. And it's bamboo plywood. Okay. Right? Yeah. Bamboo, it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's so. fast as hell, so it's cheap. Yeah. So um, they're, they're, it's all panelized construction wood. Engineered. Uh, engineered. Uh, but because bamboo... So cheap, they can do, you know, one inch thick uh, panels that you would never do in plywood, one inch. You know, it's too expensive. You just couldn't do it. Um, but because they can do it in one inch thick panels, um, they don't need to put studs every, I don't know what it is here, 16 or 24 inches. They can do studs every two meters. Um, now you go, well, why do I care? Well, energy... Uh, loss through studs is actually a significant thing. So all of a sudden they don't have all these studs because their panels are stronger and thicker um, and cheaper because it's bamboo. And all of a sudden they're doing prefab houses for cheap that are really energy efficient. Um, and it's like, okay, so is that going to work? I don't know. Um, but you don't know where these these are going to come from. This gets back to the ecosystem and you know people doing innovative things, and you don't really know what's going to gain traction. Yeah. You don't. You can't predict. We're not that smart. No. So, I suppose from this BAMCOR, um, that I got the name right, BAMCOR. BAMCOR, yeah, yeah. BAMCOR is a nice name. They're, they're building a plywood factory right now. So, they already have a plywood factory. They're building a bigger one. Do you think that, I suppose, from observing the evolution on, of various different technologies through your through your experience and career, BAMCOR doing the right thing and providing an end-to-end cons- uh, solution of, uh, you know, of, a, of a building? Or do you think that they should focus on producing or supplying this uh, material to I, scale? I, 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 so, you know, part of me goes, when you're a startup, you mm. have to do it all. Because... Mm. You have to deliver value, and the value is right there at the end. So at the beginning, you kind of have to do it all. And I'll go back to video games, right? When you create a new video game platform, you know, whether it was Microsoft or, you know, they would build 10 or 20 um, flagship games themselves. They know they want an ecosystem. The world knows they want an ecosystem of people building games for their platform, mm-hmm. for their console. But no one wants to be first. So they got to build the first few themselves. Um, and at some point, they kind of back off. It's funny. I, t- I said something about that when we were building apps for BIM360. We built the first 10 just to show people you can do it. Here's how you do it. Customers go, oh, I need that. 
so you've got to prime the pump. Gotcha. Yeah? You absolutely have to do that. Yeah. Um, and it's only later, as you gain traction, you can decide what not to do. You can start to back off. You're right. I asked the guys at PAMCOR, are you in the bamboo plywood business? Are you in the prefab business? Or are you in the deliver a house business? What are you doing here? Um, and uh, you know what? They don't know yet. Okay, that's okay. But because it's early, yeah. they don't need to know yet. That, that, becomes a criti- that becomes a strategic decision they make at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or they'll get acquired by one of the big four home builders in the U.S. And, you know, that, you know that's what will happen. Okay. You know, depending on what gets driven by investors and the market, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's interesting. And we haven't had a we haven't had a construction crash in a decade, so most people don't realize that is going to happen at some point, and that's going to. And do you think change things? Yeah. What do you think would be the cause of that, or? No, I don't know. It happens. You know, every ten or fifteen years, yeah. the construction market collapses mm-hmm. for lots of reasons. You know, whether it's Mortgages or interest rates. Or, yeah, sure. There's lots of reasons why it happens. And most people, I'm like, are you old enough to remember the last time it happened? <laughs> the last crash? Yeah, 2007, yeah, that's 2008. When, that's when I went, started studying architecture in university. I was like, well, the crash is going to have a long or an effect of X amount of years. Am I going to be employed when I get out? Yeah. <laughs> well, I said it'll be on the way back up, hopefully. Um, so I started. In so that was 2007. There was a crash in 2008, yeah, and I started. There was one back in 2002, and that was kind of the dot com yeah, crash took yeah. money out of the system. And there was one in '92, and there was one in '81. I remember the '81. It had a dramatic impact where I was in California at the time. So these happen. When this happens, what happens to I suppose you? your ecosystem that supports your, because obviously... A certain number of people go out of business. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they'll shut down or get sold off or mm. consolidate. Do you think that drives, do you think that the, I suppose, the lack of resources drives innovation in any way? Do you think that there's a relationship? Uh, yeah. A relation, uh, the something hunger. unusual about the yeah. AMC business. Yeah. Um, 2007, 2008, when things crashed, BIM adoption went up a bunch in the next few years because people were forced to do more with less. So, you know, the person who had been telling them, build a model, extract the drawings instead of just creating drawings, they were like, shit, maybe I need to do that because I'm going to go out of business if I can't kind of be more productive than the next guy because there's not enough business out there. So that absolutely helped. Crunches help technology change. Absolutely. Especially in the ADC space. Yeah, yeah. A good crunch will drive change. That's yeah, really interesting. And the big guys will lay lots of people off. And they'll lay off people who are really smart, who go, I don't want to get laid off again. I'm going to start my own business. Mm-hmm. And I've been working for the big guys, so I kind of know what works. So, oh, by the way, yeah. I've been frustrated working for this big company, so I'm not going to make that mistake. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of innovation that comes out of crunches. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. You can almost look at the crunches and go, ooh, that's where that innovation came from. Those guys left, you know, the econ or the Turner or you know, whoever, you know, during that last crunch. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're wandering a little here. 
We are. <laughs> no, it's I can tell that you blocked it. It's your, uh, yeah, look, your podcast it's, uh, topic. Yeah. It's really interesting. And it's great to talk to you. So do you have questions? Are we good? Or? I don't think so. If I just want to thank you for obviously coming on the podcast yeah. and hopefully we can re- re- revisit yeah. this. So if you need anything, call. Email. I, you know, I do uh, screen shares constantly. Um, anything we talked about, if you want to dig into, 